Jets. Trade deadline has come and passed. Mass chaos at the facility yesterday. Joe Douglas spoke at 5. Actually, was delayed half an hour. He spoke around 5.30. Laid down exactly what happened. He was a good presser. He did everything he needed to do. He got up there. He told the media, listen, there was no fire sale. We were not shopping these guys. I've fielded a lot of calls um, on a lot of players. Some players has been public. Um, other players hasn't been public. Um, you know, one thing I will say is that on the players that that were leaked out today, those those weren't players that we were shocking. Um, but you know, where I'm from and what I was taught is when a team calls you, you should always listen to what they have to say. So that's what we did. Um, we we listened. We had good conversations. Um, there was uh, there was some productive conversations. But at the end of the day, um, you know, there was no fire sale. There's no garage sale going on with these players. And we value these guys a lot. And ultimately, the offers that we we received for these players um, didn't equal the value that we we had for them uh, within this organization. So. You know, just uh, just touch on a couple guys that were public. Um, uh, I had a chance to uh, reach out, uh, talk to Robbie, Robbie after the deadline. I had a chance to reach out to Le'Veon after the deadline. Good productive conversations. Expecting to reach out to Jamal after the after the deadline, but uh, don't want to go into specifics of deals that didn't happen. But um, just uh, just other than to say that um, the value that the value that uh, was offered wasn't the equal value that we had for the organization. So um, that's, that's that on the trade deadline. Where I grew up in the Baltimore organization, under Ozzy Newsom, where I come from, if you receive interest from anybody, he said there are untouchable players. Yes. He did say Sam Darnold in his mind as a franchise quarterback. Yes. You could argue that thought process. Is it better to not say it and make him prove it and say, hey, listen, Darnold's got a game this weekend. We'll see what happens. He could do that. You'd envision other teams doing that, other winning organizations doing that. I don't think Bill Belichick once uttered the words that Brady is a franchise quarterback. But he shut down the semantics game that was, well, listen, you're taking calls for guys like Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell. Doesn't that mean you're shopping them? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Because think about it from a general manager's point of view. Even if you consider Jamal untouchable, if you don't take calls, field calls, interest, wouldn't you run the risk of missing out on a potential steal? You're not doing your franchise a service by going that route. 
And if you go that route to protect feelings and not hurt guys' feelings and emotions, you're pretending this is not a business when that's exactly what this is, a business. And to pretend it's not for the sake of trying to protect guys' feelings is silly. That's stuff, that's the stuff you'd see from previous regimes. So I think that's getting lost in the shuffle here. That's that's an important point to realize. And it's a good sign. That he fully admits, there's no lying there. He fully admits that he takes Fields phone calls. He also said the Jamal interest has been rampant ever since that social media bio thing happened earlier in the season. It's not Joe Douglas's fault. Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. You won't find a bigger fan of Adams than me. I mean, he's fundamentally sound. His technique is just spot on. You see guys with his talent get lazy with technique at times. Not him. You see guys without the heart on the field. Not him. So Douglas did a good job at Florham Park Monday. Guy who did not do a good job was Jamal Adams. Listen, no one's going to confuse Adams with Odell Beckham Jr. One guy is fearless on the field, willing to sacrifice himself. Another guy showcases alligator arms from time to time, makes business decisions. Jamal didn't have a good game at Jacksonville, but this man never makes a business decision on the field, ever. You can't question his heart. You can't question his will. But this year, you're finally starting to see some cracks where you start to see shades of OBJ, shades of his LSU brother. And it starts with social media. This social media thing, you know, so many millennials, not just athletes, everybody, they're attached to it. It's It's their inner workings of their soul. And Jamal, when things go bad, he starts to want to separate himself from the losing. You know, this is not me. I don't lose. This is everyone else. I don't, I don't belong in this mess. That attitude is so incredibly wrong. You're not going to lead the charge and build a program up with that attitude. The only attitude that gets it done is, yeah, I am a part of this. I am a part of this losing. I don't want to see this happen. I don't want to be a part of it, but I own it. And I'm going to be the man that changes it. And we're not getting that attitude from Jamal. And that's concerning. As soon as Douglas finished, Jamal took to Twitter. Not a good move. It's never a good move to take to Twitter. When you're feeling something and you're feeling frustrated or feeling angry, never a good move. And his first tweet was fine. Any reports of me asking to be traded from the New York Jets are completely false. Boom. Perfect tweet. Listen, Jets fans aren't idiots. Some believe them wholeheartedly and fully, which is foolish. 
Some don't believe him fully, which is, again, foolish. The right path is throwing your hands up in the air and saying, hey, this is a business. I don't know what happened. And that's it. That's the right path. That first tweet, whether Jamal wanted out and wanted to go to Dallas or not, that first tweet is perfectly fine, perfectly respectable, and it puts an end to everything. It's a business. You put it out there. It did not want to be traded. Boom. Done. But Jamal didn't stop there. Tweet number two. At the end of last week, I sat down with GM and Coach Gase and told them I want to be here in New York. I was told yesterday by my, by my agent that the GM then went behind my back and shot me around to teams, even after I asked him to keep me here. Crazy business. You got There's only one part of that tweet that's perfect. The last word. Business. Jamal. You sent this tweet out immediately after Douglas told the world he wasn't shopping you and he will take calls on anybody? Coming from Adi Newsom, a man I know you respect. A man who learned under Adi Newsom? You're going to stoke that fire? It's not a good move. It is not a good move and it doesn't help things. So shades of OBJ here. It's not a good sign. You know, don't be surprised if Jamal's not a Jet by the start of next year. It's really difficult to pull off trades in season in the NFL. Draft time is that prime season. Douglas, great job. Jamal, terrible job. Le'Veon Bell, flawless job. In the spring, I was quite vocal. Do not sign Le'Veon Bell. It has nothing to do with Bell himself. Even though he's been unreliable with certain things. Missing a lot of games, injury suspension, what have you. The main reason why I didn't want to sign him is it makes no sense to sign a running back when you don't have an offensive line. First of all, throw the offensive line out of the equation. Championship teams don't sign stud running backs. Look around. It's a devalued position. Again, this has nothing to do with Le'Veon. It's just the nature of the business. In this hard salary cap, if there was no salary cap, go ahead, sign them. Makes no difference. But in a hard salary cap league, it makes no sense. On this day, it still makes no sense. What's his yards per carry? 3.3? 3.2 so far? Even if he's still the best running back in the league, which I think he's top three, That position is heavily dependent on the offensive line. It still makes no sense. However, what Le'Veon Bell said yesterday, on Tuesday, amends my entire stance. What he said is so incredibly important to any football team. Forget rebuilding football team. Any football team. I need everyone to understand. It takes a process to build a winning program, to build a winning organization. I am happy as hell to be a New York Jet. I'm happy to be here despite all the trade rumors and talks. I am here and I am happy to be here. But everybody has to have a little bit of patience, just a little bit of patience. If it happened overnight, it'd be a whole bunch of teams doing like snapping their fingers and just making it happen. 
But I understand it takes a process. I just need all the Jets fans, all the Jets supporters, of my teammates and myself, I need you all to understand and just stick with us, man. Everything gonna happen. This is our first year being all together. We got a first first year with our head coach, first year with our general manager, and I think Joe Douglas is doing a, a tremendous job trying to get this thing turned around. Just understand, we're gonna get the ship sailing in the right direction, but I just need everybody to have some patience and just stick with us. I promise we're gonna get it turned around. I can't even begin to explain how important those words are. Folks, forget rebuilding. Just from a pure locker room standpoint, to have one of your highest paid players, a stud, a recognizable face, who came from a winning program, utter these words publicly in the midst of chaos, with the building burning down, is worth its weight in gold. I amend my don't get Le'Veon stance. I don't care what position he plays. If this man is showing this type this type of ability from a leadership standpoint, I don't care. It's worth all the money in the world. It is so incredibly important. Now, Gase has already talked today about how does he mend these fences, feelings are hurt, etc. He's already talked to Robbie Anderson, I believe. And Robbie Anderson, this is the most laid-back dude I've ever encountered in my life. As soon as he got word he wasn't going to be traded and the clock hit 4 o'clock on Twitter... He throws out the famous Wolf of Wall Street, Leo, speech. I'm not leaving. I don't even think he wrote words with it. I just think he put some emojis. He's the most laid back dude. He's not an issue. Gase already spoke to him. He's fine. He'll continue being that laid back dude who just, man, lives life to a different beat than all of us. Le'Veon. He understands. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. His feelings aren't hurt. He completely gets it. It's a business. And at the same time, he's willing to play his part in doing what he can to turn it around. Jamal. What will happen this week with Jamal? We'll find out. I don't know if they made him available today. I'm not there today. I'll be there tomorrow. I hope they hold him till tomorrow. That would be lucky for me. But what the truth is doesn't matter. Whether he wanted out or not doesn't matter. Again, this is a business. Now for Jamal, if I had gun to my head, do I think he wanted to go to Dallas? Yes. Gun to my head, yes. Does it matter? No, not really. You know, say the trade happens and he goes to Dallas. Say it happens this offseason. He'll pen a heartfelt message to Jets fans. I'm sorry I couldn't get it turned around. I love you all. Blah, blah, blah. And life goes on. But for Jamal, it's not exactly 
all about the organization. What he cares about most is the fans, you guys. That's who he cares about most. And that's why so many fans will believe anything he says, such as, I never wanted to go to Dallas, and I told them I wanted to stay in New York. That could be true too, for sure. But the point that was uttered previously is, don't believe anything anybody says. But that's why they do, because he does care about the fans. And that is genuine and transparent. How do they mend those fences with him? Win. It's that simple. You play Miami this weekend, win. Get to 2-6. and six, Come home the following week, take on the Giants, win that game. Go to 3-6. and six, Beat the Giants. Beat Jamal Adams' father's team. Just win. That's how those fences get mended. But in terms of an overall strategy of trading Jamal, it's not as crazy as everybody thinks. Yet, listen, you're not going to find a bigger fan than me. 20 years ago, safety was a devalued position like running back. In the 80s, it was the least important position, arguably. Today, because of the rules, because of the pre-snap stuff, because of running backs and tight end matchups, I would argue strong safety is the fourth or fifth most important position in today's game. Quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, strong safety. Cover corner, while it's so huge and to have one, even the best cover corner can't do what Revis and Dion did back in the day. Gilmore, Gilmore can get beat. It's just the way the rules are. He's propped up big time because of that, that Pats defense, because of that scheme. So in my mind, strong safety is the fourth most important position in today's league. And Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. It's not crazy to trade him if a King's Ransom does come in return. Is it crazy to trade him for a first-round pick? You better believe it is. Unless that's the number one, two, or three overall pick, it's crazy. Is it crazy to trade him for two ones and a third? Or maybe a first, a second, and another second the following year? That's not crazy. When you when your infrastructure is so bleak and so weak, having guys like Bell and Adams, having those skilled position players to play behind a crappy infrastructure makes no sense. This is what fans have to understand. It makes no sense. The infrastructure, the offensive line, the the pass rush, the trenches have to be built up first for those guys to truly flourish. And that's what's been missing in this organization for a decade. Jamal Adams, he hasn't even hit his ceiling. He's been playing behind a terrible four-man rush. Can you imagine what he would do behind a legitimate rush? It's the same as Le'Veon behind a good offensive line. It's the same principle. It's the same as Darnold behind a good offensive line. Or Darnold with a legitimate number one possession threat. Each position alters the next in a domino fashion. So the idea of trading Bell, obviously that idea is a good one. You know, notwithstanding his tremendous words, which I think are valuable beyond words. 
But the idea of trading Robbie Anderson, it's a good one. The idea of trading Jamal, if a King's Ransom comes back in which you could actually build the infrastructure, is fine. There's nothing criminal about that. And let's remind the world, according to Douglas, Jamal brought these discussions on himself with that social media stuff earlier in the season and canceling spots with Maggie and Bart on WFAN. With his disgruntled nature, he brought this on himself. Now it could be a complete ploy where he truly does want out, but he doesn't want to admit it in public. And that's fine. Again, it's a business. But in terms of wanting to actually turn around the program, turn around this franchise, Douglas is your man. Having been a former offensive lineman, having lived in the Ozzie Newsome hierarchy, he's your man. He's going to do the right thing. To judge him based on so far what's happened is a co-tight move. Yeah, you, the fan, you're co-tight if you judge Douglas based on what's happened so far. You can't judge a general manager in the NFL without having a one offseason, one draft, one free agent class. you got to be kidding me. Bell, he's got the right stuff for the solution. He's one of the right guys to turn it around. Darnold, again, one of the right guys. And I'm talking between the ear stuff. I'm talking culture. Jamal, I always thought he was one of the right guys. He's sort of distanced himself from everything that's happening. I understand he's frustrated. It's not fun. It's horrible. It's just waking up every day understanding this is your job and your livelihood. And you're going to be depressed in a couple hours. It's not fun. But if you really want to be part of the solution, you own that depression. You own everything that's gone wrong. Leaders take it upon themselves to take more than his fair share or her fair share of blame. Non-leaders will deflect the blame. I still think Jamal's a leader, but he's got to understand that. And if he does, he could be part of this thing that gets turned around. And he could have free meals and free drinks for the rest of his incredible life. If he was and turns out to be that solution. Could you imagine a Jets Super Bowl in this city? Think Eagles a couple years back and multiply it. You know, a Patriots Super Bowl, a Yankees World Series, a Lakers NBA Finals. It's not fun. It's not special. The Red Sox breaking the curse. The Eagles winning a Super Bowl. The Blues winning a Stanley Cup. The Rangers in 94. A Jets championship. That is special. For all the obvious reasons. 
And for it to happen, the Jets need special people in the building. I know Douglas is that guy. Of course, we still have to judge to see what he does. But I know his mindset is correct. I know he knows how to build teams. He uttered the words McCagnan didn't say in five years. It starts with the quarterback and both lines. It starts in the trenches. It starts up front. I know Douglas is that guy. I know Le'Veon Bell's that guy. Is Jamal Adams one of those guys? We'll find out. 